0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He is in his senses, he said, but he does not see things as we do. He is one of those English barbarians who have taken Rangoon and against whom our armies are marching. He was captured at Ramu and sent by Bandula as a prisoner to Ava. He has made his escape and will in a short while go down the river, but at present the search is too hot for him. So you see that he is, like ourselves, a fugitive. "'What is his age?' one of the men asked, after a silence during which they all gazed at the newcomer. "'He is but a lad, being, as he tells me, between sixteen and seventeen, but you see his skin is stained and his face marked, so as to give him the appearance of age. "'If the men of his race are as brave as he is, Meinik our troops will truly have harder work than they think to drive them into the sea. Does he speak our tongue?' "'Yes,' Stanley answered for himself. "'I have been more than two years in the province of Chittagong, and learned it from one who was in our service. "'And would many of your people risk their lives in the way you did for a stranger?' "'Certainly. Many men consistently, constantly run risks as great to save others. "'One life is all a man has,' the Burman said. "'Why should he give it for a stranger?' "'I don't think that we stop to think of that,' Stanley said. It seems to us natural that if we see another in danger of his life, we should try to save it, whether it is a man or a woman, whether it be from fire or from any other fate. "'You must be a strange people,' the Burman said gravely, "'and I should scarce have credited it, had I not heard that you had done it yourself. But it is wonderful, and you too, a lad who has not yet come to his full strength. We should be glad to have such a man for our comrade, my friends. Whether he be Burman or English matters little.' He has risked his life for one of us, and he is our brother as long as he likes to stay with us." There was a warm explanation of assent round the circle, and Stanley felt that he had no cause for uneasiness as long as he remained with them. In the evening the men sang many songs, and at their request Stanley sang some English ones, choosing some with lively airs. The Burmese were much pleased and surprised at this, and joined merrily in the chorus. Half a dozen of them then sent to work with their knives, cut down some saplings and boughs, and constructed for Stanley an arbor similar to the others. And he lay down well satisfied with the results of his adventure, and feeling that he could remain with these merry fellows, criminals though they might be, until it would be safe to make his way down the river. In the morning the men started early, leaving him to charge the fire. They went off in parties of four or five to watch the various roads leading to the capital, two or three of them dressed as peasants going to towns where travellers would halt, so as to gain information as to any party coming down. When they gathered again at dusk, one party only had had any success. They had met six merchants coming down with horses laden with spices, indigo, and cotton. These had offered no resistance, and they had taken as much as they could carry, and then allowed them to go on with the rest of their goods. There was a general feeling of regret that the party had not been more numerous, and some expressions of anger at the spies on the road by which the traders had come, for not letting them know beforehand, so that they could have placed their whole force there and carried away all the goods. "'These are the things that suit us best,' Meineke said to Stanley. "'You see, one can go down with a parcel of cinnamon or pepper or a bag of dyes or fifty pounds of cotton into the town and sell it in the market at a fair and proper price. Of course one dresses oneself as a small cultivator, and there is no suspicion whatever that all is not right. We shall keep a sharp lookout for the men as they come back again and relieve them of the silver or goods they may have taken in exchange.' that is, if they come by the same road, but it is more likely that after their adventure today they will choose some other, or take a guide and travel by village tracks. No doubt they think that they have got off easily, for they have not lost more than a quarter of their goods. It is wartime now, and there is no fear of a force being sent against us, but usually we do not have to take so much as a quarter of the merchandise. Were they to lose everything, they would make complaints, and then we should have a force sent up against us, and be obliged to move away for a time. But as it is, they are so pleased with getting the greater part of their goods safe to market, that they do not care to make a fuss about it, for they might have to pay the court officials and others more than the value of the goods lost. "'They do not often resist, then?' Stanley asked. "'Not often. If a man loses his goods, he can gather more again. But when his life has gone, everything has gone. Besides, as a rule, we take care that we are so strong that they see at once that resistance would be hopeless.' Sometimes they bring armed guards with them. These are men who make it their business to convoy traders down when the times are troubled. Sometimes we have fights with these, but as a rule we seldom attack them, unless we are so strong that they do not dare to oppose us. Still we do have fights sometimes, for these Shan guards are brave fellows. Their convoys are generally rich ones, for it would not pay small traders to hire men to protect them. In times of peace we seldom stop long in one neighborhood for when it once becomes known what road we are lying near, they come along in parties too strong to be attacked, and, as it matters little to us where we live, we move away, perhaps a hundred miles, and then settle on another line of traffic. We have not been here long. We were last down by Tanu, and did well for a long time there, until at last the Governor raised all the villagers and hunted the woods, and we found that we had to leave. I expect we shall stay here some time now. There is no fear of troops being sent out, and we can afford not to press too hardly on travellers, for we have done so well of late that we could separate and return to our homes, each with a good store of booty. Half our number did leave when we came up from the south, and more of us would go if it were not for this order that everyone shall join the army. It is much more pleasanter to live here, free to do as we like, than to be driven down like a herd of beasts to fight. Besides, we have no quarrel with your people. It was the officials of Arakan who began it. Let them fight if they like.' Stanley remained a fortnight with the band. At the end of that time they heard that a party of thirty traders were coming down together, and that if they had with them ten armed guards. This, they no doubt supposed, was ample protection, for as the band generally worked in such small parties, it was believed that there were but a few outlaws in the forest. All the band went out and returned in the evening, laden with spoil. Two or three of them were wounded, but not severely. So you had resistance today, meinik? "'It lasted only for a minute,' the man said. "'As soon as they saw how strong we were, the guard were glad enough to put up their swords and let us bind them hand and foot, while we searched the merchants. "'As you see, we have made a good capture, though we have not seized more than a fifth of what they brought down with them. But it will take them some time to pack their bales again, for we searched everything thoroughly and made all the merchants strip and searched their clothes and their hair.' "'What did you do that for?' "'Well, it was this way. I said to my comrades, as we went along this morning—' The Englishman is going to leave us in a day or two. I have not forgotten what I owe him, and should like to make him a present. I propose that we search all the party thoroughly today. For what we heard, some of them come from the ruby country, and are pretty sure to have gems concealed about them or in their baggage. I propose that all the stones we find we will give to our friend. They all agreed at once, for, as you know, they all like you, and rubies, as I told you, are of little use to us, for we cannot dispose of them without great risk. So they did as I proposed, and had good fortune. Twelve out of the number had gems hidden about them, and some of them a good lot. You need not hesitate to take them, for you may be sure that they bought them for next to nothing, from poor fellows who had risked their lives to hide them. There they are. We have not looked at them, but just emptied the parcels into this bag, as we found them. Of course, they are all rough stones. You must take them as a present from all of us, and as a proof that a burman, even if he is but a robber, is grateful for such a service as that you rendered him. Stanley felt that he could not refuse a gift so offered, even though the goods were stolen. As Meinik said, the gems were of little use to the robbers, since they were afraid to try and dispose of them, and their owners had themselves broken the law in having purchased them, and had doubtless given sums bearing no proportion to their real value. Therefore he thanked Meinik very heartily, and also, after they had had their meal, the rest of the band, who made very light of the matter. The things were useless to them, they said, if it had been silver or even lead, it would have been different but to endeavour to sell rubies they had to risk their lives, and goods that they had got that day would fetch them far more money than the rubies, and could be sold without difficulty, and as soon as the war was over and they could go down to their villages, the bands would break up. They had enough silver and lead hidden away to keep them for years, even if they never did any work whatever. What do you do with it when you get back? We hide it. It would never do to enter a village with ten or twelve pounds weight of silver, and three or four times as much lead for the headman might take it into his head to have us searched. So we generally dig a hole at the foot of a tree in some quiet spot, and take perhaps a pound of silver and two or three of lead with us. A gift of half that silver is enough to convince the headman that we are honest fellows, who have been working hard since we went away, and from time to time we can go to our store and get what we want from it, and can build a house and marry and take up a field or two, and perhaps become headmen ourselves before very long well i am sure i wish you all well stanley said you have all been very kind to me since i joined you and i shall be glad to think of you all as settled quietly down in your villages rather than as remaining here when some day or other you might all be captured and harm come to you the next morning stanley started with meinik who was a native of a small village on the river some forty miles below Ava,